I remember being a kid, you know, just graduating high school, feeling like having a bank account and having car insurance and all of that stuff was the scariest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And now that feels, you know, just like breathing. It's like, oh yeah, those are things that I do because I'm an adult. Right. Yeah. But there was a time when I had to rise up to those new responsibilities. And if you have been capable of doing that in the past, you are capable of doing that again. I I really like this because we've said it before, but I feel like it applies here too. this idea that you can do hard things. Mm -hmm. Something we say to our kids all the time. Oh, I just got to tell a quick story here. Okay. This is going to go on my blog next week, but... I, uh, the five-year-old was trying to put on his, his shoes the other day and he was, you know how he does. He was like moaning and groaning about how hard it was and stuff. And, and I just kind of let him be for a few minutes and watched him and he got him on. And then he was like, ah, finally I did it. And I said, see, you can do hard things. And he said, can I build a house? No. (laughs) What? (laughs) It was the funniest thing. I didn't say anything else, but yeah. what I was thinking is you could if you put your mind to it, but <laughs> yeah, you could, you could totally build a house. It was cute. I could build a house. Good afternoon, Rachel. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm just, I'm having a wonderful day. That's having a, having a great week. Yeah. I did a, uh, I did a five mile run this week. I was trying to do a six, but, uh, if, if you listened to the last episode, you probably heard me complaining about how I was sick Yeah. and and I, it was weird. I kicked it and then it kind of came back a little bit. So, um, near the beginning of the week, I was, I was pretty fatigued from dealing with all of that. And I think, I think that's part of why I wasn't able to run as well. I was also, I was listening to an audiobook, and it was really good, but I was, it was also kind of, I, I was feeling a little bit of anxiety because of the, the things I was thinking about. <laughs> And, and, and yeah, sometimes if you think too much on a run, you start, your breath starts closing up a little. Yeah. Well, I, you know, (laughs) I, I start feeling that anxiety and, and then I'm also running and I can feel the shortness of breath. I can feel myself getting tired. So it was, uh, probably a bad combination. Yeah. And, and then at the same time later this afternoon, after we're done recording, I was thinking about going for another long run and listening to a book called Devil in the White City. Oh, yeah, I've already read that one. It's turning into a movie soon. Yeah, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. It's a it's such a good book, is too. It, is oh my gosh. Martin Scorsese on board for directing it, oh, too? I don't know. I thought I... Anyways, I can't, I can't get enough of those guys working together. So, yeah. And, and for that story, I think it's going to be phenomenal. Oh, yeah, it will. Um, but, but I just got started with it, I, and I'm, I worry that it might also cause anxiety. I don't know. I don't think it will. I mean, it is a true story, but yeah, that's, it's interesting. Um, and I was, I was going to say we've had unseasonably warm weather here in Texas. So just going out makes you suffocate. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> at any point in the day. It's true. Hopefully, so. it, hopefully it won't have warmed up too much. 
we'll see. I might have to start running in the morning again. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, great week. And uh, I'll go ahead and mention this up front before I forget, uh, because I, I always forget to mention this, but if you're following along with these episodes, you're listening to the latest one, this episode is going out the week before a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. So we'll be, we'll be going on sabbatical and during our sabbatical weeks, we don't publish, uh, and this is, this is for the entire Sean West network during the sabbatical week. Um, most of the shows don't publish anything. I think the Sean West podcast still does sabbatical episodes. Yeah. Which we might, I might repurpose some of our, uh, in the boat with Ben TV stuff. We'll see. I'll think about that. Yeah, but maybe. for, for now we take that week off and, uh, if that's, if that's something that you're not doing for yourself, um, if, if it's something that you've been thinking about doing, I just, I can't recommend it enough. I am hustling so hard right now. I'm working on so many things and I'm, I, I feel like I'm working harder because I know that sabbatical is coming and I don't want to be thinking about any work at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And so I just, I love the motivation that I have and I feel like I work more efficiently because I have that. You know, I'm, I'm able to get more done. Um, so I, I just, I can't recommend it enough. Yep. Uh, but just a heads up, we won't be having an episode coming out this week. But if you're uh, just listening to the backlog in the future, you know, keep pressing that forward button. <laughs> so today we are talking about what to do when your big goal scares you. Have you, Rachel, ever had a goal that was so big that it scared you? I don't. I was thinking about this when I saw the title of the podcast, and I don't know that anything has ever scared me. Maybe, maybe like when I graduated and was going off to college, that might have been the one thing that like scared me. But I don't know. I mean, maybe I approach goals differently, and maybe I don't make them big enough. I don't know. But I tend to not really get scared by goals. Yeah. It may be that you're just, you know, not a scaredy cat. Well, but I don't think that's the case. I no. think, I think I tend to go the other side. Like I, I become obsessive about a goal. <laughs> yeah. Like at the detriment of myself. I, I feel like there's something good here. So in, in the title, I'm imagining people seeing it and thinking, oh, you know, I've never had a dream so big that it scared me. Mm-hmm. Or I've never had a goal so big that it scared me. Or some people will say, oh yeah, I've, I've had a goal so big that it scared me and that was really uncomfortable and I hated it. Yeah. And, and then, you know, everywhere in between. But what I want for people is to have goals that are so big that it scares them. I think that's a good thing because, because I, I, I think... If you're dreaming, if you're dreaming that big, if your goal is that big, that there's some unknown and, and there's a little bit of maybe some, some healthy fear associated with it. Yeah. And we're going to talk about working through the unhealthy fear, the debilitating stuff. But, but I think that healthy fear is indicative of something that is worth shooting for. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, if, if it wasn't scary, if it was really practical, yeah, it's probably going to be good. It could be very fulfilling. It could add value to the world. But those those big goals, those really big ones that f- that feel impossible, are the ones that m- make a huge impact. Yeah, 
I I wonder if maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding a little bit because you know when I think of right after I lost my job and you weren't working for anybody you were building a business and yeah. I feel like that was probably the scariest circumstance I've ever been through because we we had just welcomed a baby 2 days later I lost my job I was laid off of my job and there was kind of this big unknown, you know? Well, and sometimes it's not the goal itself, but it's, it's the fact that pursuing that goal means, so for you, uh, pursuing the goal of being a full-time writer meant that you weren't going to look for another job. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, so there's still some fear associated with that. That's, that's a really big goal. That's yeah. the, the, the goal of doing something at, at the level where you don't have to have a job. Right. You know, so that, I, I think that counts. Okay. So I, I think there, like I said, there is some healthy fear that goes into that. We've got some great questions coming up that talk about the difference between um, fear and caution. Hmm. You know, fear is, fear is a good mechanism. It's something that helps us to be more aware of the dangers Mm -hmm. uh, or or even of the potential dangers. And if used correctly, it can help us make better decisions. And, um, and even, even if we're going in a direction that, that is dangerous, we're at least more aware of, you know, what the next right step is and and what we should try to avoid. So in, in that sense, fear is good. But what happens a lot of times for folks is it has this runaway effect and it ends up becoming this thing that causes them to idle, to, to stop taking steps forward, to stop taking action and to get overwhelmed in their thoughts about what might happen or what, mm-hmm. or what could happen or what people might say or what people might think. Wait, are you talking about me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I would be curious, I don't know if this is getting too philosophical here, but I'd be curious to know what your, uh, what you believe is the connection between like fear and doubt. Cause I feel like for me, I struggle much more with doubt than I do with fear. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Aaron's question, which was, what is the difference? Uh, he had a couple of great questions, but, but I like this one. What's the difference between fear and caution. And I'm going to go ahead and bring doubt into this also. So I, wait, what? I'm sorry. Doubt. <laughs> it gonna, sounded like you said doubt. I already brought doubt, but I'm also going to bring doubt. Okay. Okay. Aaron's last name is doubt. Did I say that? No. Anyways, I listened to a podcast called back to work and I love the way that uh, Merlin Mann, one of the hosts describes it. He says, fear is like being in a tent in the woods and thinking there may be a bear. Mm-hmm. Um, now that thought in and of itself isn't, you know, it's, it's neutral. It's what you choose to do with that thought or what you choose to believe that, that makes fear good or bad in that sense. So, so I think caution is when we take fear is when we, we take the idea of, of potential danger and we move forward, we take steps forward, but we, we do so, you know, being aware of our surroundings and, 
and keeping an eye out for the potential dangers. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is caution. And, and so fear is really just the, the thought of, or the feeling of, or, or the idea of potential danger. It's, an, it's not necessarily real. Now, danger, danger is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Danger, danger is when you poke your head out and there actually is a bear. That's danger. The problem is that when you have a really good imagination, fear can kind of take over. Yes. I mean, I, I kind of equate it to, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown woman and I do not like turning off the lights on our downstairs by myself because yeah. whenever I turn toward our back door, which has windows in it, I see faces. Like that's just my imagination. I imagine that there are pe- like there's a creeper out there watching. Yeah. So, so in your, in your mind, you're choosing to believe that something is real that, that isn't really real. Like if you, if you look at it objectively, you know that that's not real. You can't, or you can't verify that that's real unless you actually go outside and look. So in the example of the tent, doubt is, is when you, when you say, or, or, or I don't I'm trying to, I'm trying to see how I want to make this applicable to your situation. So where, where are you experiencing doubt? Well, just in abilities and stuff like that, you know, like when you, when you have a dream or when you have a big goal, sometimes it's not so much the big goal that scares you. It's the fact that you doubt that you'd be able to do it. Right. So we're, and and we're going to talk about that. So in, in that case, I would liken doubt to fear in that it's, it's passive. Doubt is your, your idea about some potential reality. Yeah. Optimism is an idea of a potential reality. None of those things are real. Yeah. You don't experience what's real unless you actually do something. And we're going to talk about that later. That's, I, I feel like that's a huge turning point when it comes to dealing with fear. So I want to, I want to talk about the roots. So doubt is definitely one of the roots. And I want, to, I want to get to that. But first, I want to talk about some other things that are maybe a little bit more obvious. Okay. So, so one, of, one of the roots, that, the reason we're talking about this today is because I have a big goal and it scares me. And, I, and I'm just to be honest, I'm still very much on the fence as to whether or not I want to pursue this, like really go all out. Okay. Because, do, do I know this goal? Well, it was, it, it, it was, <laughs> it was our financial goal. Oh for this yeah. Year. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, and I'm dealing, I'm dealing with almost all of these roots, but I had to get really introspective because I would have this severe, I, I would have crippling anxiety when I thought about it, when I try to strategize and I feel like I'm a pretty confident person and I just, I didn't know why I was having that response. And so I, I really sat down and I tried to identify what was going on. So, so here are some of the potential roots. One of the fears is that things may change and change is scary. There's, there's uncertainty, you know, you, you, your circumstances might change if you pursue this goal. 
your location might change. You you might really like where you are and, and there might be the potential that pursuing this means going to a new place. Your relationships might change. Your own mindset, you yourself as a person might change. Will, will pursuing this change you into somebody that you might not be okay with? You know, so this is, this is just the idea that things may change and change is scary. And that's generally true across the board. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to be doing as I list these roots is I'm going to share a truth that helps um, frame these fears in a different light. Okay. So the, the truth for this one is things are going to change one way or the other. You are either changing passively or you're actively engaged in the process. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, nothing that you, um, there's nothing you can do to stop that from happening. Change is, going, it, change is inevitable. So what being actively engaged in the process looks like is saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to change either way. I may as well do it while I'm pursuing something that I believe, you know, is, is a dream that I have or a goal that I have. Mm-hmm. And regardless of who I become or, or what changes around me, I know that change is going to happen anyway. And at least this way, I get to really be involved in seeing how that happens. Another route is you may fail. You may fail. Now, failure is really, it's, it's a huge topic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But the, the questions that I had to ask myself for failure is, what does failure mean to me? You ask me this all the time. And I want to punch you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, yeah. What happens if you fail? What does it mean to you? And then, well, I, I asked this question, whose voices are you letting into the process? And what does your failure mean to them? Those are big ones, too, because, you know, a lot of us with wounds from our childhood, it comes back to a lot of those voices yeah. from childhood, you know, and, and those things are not easy to overcome. Yes. I mean, no, no, they're not. <laughs> so here, here are the truths. Failure is a new beginning. It's not, failure is actually not the end. If you are objective and you think back to your past, you've failed many times and you're still breathing, you're still alive. You're probably, hopefully, in a better place than you were before. You know, there are things that are getting better and growing or increasing. And either way, you've survived. You have survived failure before. So failure is not an end. It is a new beginning. And I say it's a new beginning because failure is an opportunity to learn and move forward. So when you fail, you've actually identified something that doesn't work. Or you've identified something that maybe would have worked, but doesn't work yet. Or doesn't work under certain circumstances. You know, you, there's information there. And that information is useful data for moving forward. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was thinking of the time that you use this, you know, what, what is going to happen if we fail was when we were, I think we were like three months into the whole Rachel lost her job. 
Ben's trying to build a business and uh, it was just really, really slow going. And there we had run out of savings. We had run out of the what what is it called when you are laid off a job? Severance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Severance. We had to run out of the severance and all of that. And there was this month that we had nothing. And I remember you asking because I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be homeless. Like, we're not going to be able to feed our kids. We're not we're not going to have a place to live. And you were like, what's what what happens if that happens? You know, so yeah. we're out on the streets. Well, so and, we're going to survive, you and, know. <laughs> and I I want to bring that. I, and is I don't. That sounds like I was being yeah, dismissive. I know. Yeah, but, but you really weren't. No, but what that what that kind of goes back to is the whole, you know, the, the your fears are ideas of what might happen. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not the, you don't actually know the reality of the situation until you're actually experiencing it. Right. And, the, and that didn't happen, obviously, but yeah. yeah. But, but the, and, and I got to say the feeling it, it can feel like those things are real. Yeah. So it's it's important to to know that too. It can feel like those things are real, and so the feeling you're experiencing is subjectively true for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, failure and and the potential of failure it stops a lot of people because for themselves they don't they don't want to fail. They don't want to. They feel like it's an end. They're not sure what's on the other side of that. Um, but really, it's a great opportunity to learn things and to move forward, to gather real information. So you're no longer stuck with your fears and and ideas, but you actually have, oh, now I know what actually happens, and I can use that moving forward. I feel like I need to say this, um, but growing up, some of us had expectations placed on us not necessarily by our parents, but sometimes by our peers or our teachers or whatever. And I know for me, um, I, I graduated top of my class and people voted me most likely to succeed. And sometimes when I'm trying something new, those fears come back to haunt me because I'm like, is this something that the person most likely to succeed would do? You know, is what if I fail? That mm. means I wasn't the most likely to succeed. You know, so sometimes those um, those expectations can become almost a part of our identity. And yeah. I've had to work really hard to separate myself from those things and not feel the fear of, um, I know when we were going through a lot of stuff with our firstborn son, those were some of the things that were coming up. Just like, what if I fail at parenting? What if I fail, you know, what are people going to think? You know, it, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to separate ourselves from the expectations of other people. Yeah. So this is, this is actually, I have a line in here for this, but I want to read what Corey wrote in the chat because I I feel like it's a great representation of what you just said. Corey said, failure is an event, not a personal characteristic. Hmm. So, so basically failure is, failure is something that happens, but it's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't change who you are. The people who are most successful the people who are most likely to succeed are the ones who have learned that failure is okay. It's actually useful and, and it's a necessary part of making progress toward a goal. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the, to the voices of other people, I'm, and, and I, I kind of focused this on f- close friends and family. 
because I don't, I don't want you to care at all about people who don't matter to you. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of those who care about what you do or are just jerks about what you do. <laughs> yeah. I, and I almost, I almost don't even want you to care about anybody else, uh, anybody else's idea. Well, I, I don't, I don't want you to care about anybody else's idea of success or failure for you. But it's also good to realize the truth that the people whose opinions and ideas you value, those people who are closest to you, they're less concerned with you than you think. Mm-hmm. They, they spend a fraction of their time actually thinking about you and your success. Most of the time they spend thinking about themselves and their own success and the things that are important to them. So if that's true, if, if most of their time is spent thinking about things com- other than your personal success and, and happiness, mm-hmm. then why should what they think hold any weight when it comes to your success or failure. And most of the time, your family, their, their underlying motivation is that they want happiness for you. They want the best for you. They want good things for you. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not always true. And sometimes, even though there's that underlying motivation, it comes out in a way that seems opposite of that. But it's because their definition of happiness, their definition of fulfillment, their definition of success may be different from yours. So that's, that's, those are the truths that I use when it comes to that question of, you know, what if I fail? Now, this is one of my favorite questions. Um, I'm going to read from Daniela and she posted in the chat. She said, what if you're scared that you wouldn't be able to keep up if your dreams came true? I definitely experience fear of success much more than fear of failure. Failure is familiar. I know what to do with it. Success, however, is the unknown. That's a biggie too. Yeah. You, you might succeed. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the, you know, things may change and change is scary. Yeah. Um, but, but there's some, there's some other questions in there. You know, what is, what does success mean to you? And what are the, the, the external voices you know, what did they think about your success? And so success, again, is similar to me. It's similar to failure to me. Success is not an identity. It's not who you are. It's, it's just an event. You know, so reaching a goal is something that happens. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't hold any bearing on who you are as a person. And it's also not a destination. I like to kind of separate success from actually reaching something. I think success actually looks like forward motion. Mm-hmm. And if we're defining it that way, then reaching a goal is good and it's notable, but it's removed more from our identity. And therefore, I think makes it a lot easier for us to continue seeking more success and reaching other goals and bigger goals. Some of the fear is rooted in the fact that when you're successful, a lot of times that also means that you have more responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And you may not know whether or not you can handle those responsibilities. 
And so the, the truth that I would share here is that your previous success, your, your previous successes have brought you new responsibilities. If you're a grown up listening to this podcast, you know, through your phone, in your car, on your way to a job, you have responsibilities that you didn't have once upon a time because, because of successes, because of milestones that you reached where you were deemed worthy to take on these responsibilities. And some of these responsibilities were scary at first and over time you were able to adapt and you were able to, to rise up to those responsibilities. I remember being a kid, you know, just graduating high school, feeling like having a bank account and having car insurance and all of that stuff was the scariest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and now that feels, you know, just like breathing. It's like, oh yeah, those are things that I do because I'm an adult. Right. Yeah. But there was a time when I had to rise up to those new responsibilities. And if you have been capable of doing that in the past, you are capable of doing that again. I, I really like this because we've said it before, but I feel like it applies here to th- this idea that you can do hard things. Mm-hmm. Something we say to our kids all the time. Oh, I just got to tell a quick story here. Okay. This is going to go on my blog next week, but I, uh, the five-year-old was trying to put on his, his shoes the other day. And he was, you know how he does, he was like moaning and groaning about how hard it was and stuff. And, and I just kind of let him be for a few minutes and watched him and he got him on. And then he was like, ah, finally I did it. And I said, see, you can do hard things. And he said, can I build a house? No. (laughs) What? (laughs) It was the funniest thing. I didn't say anything else, but. Yeah. What I was thinking is you could if you put your mind to it, but <laughs> yeah, you could, you could totally build a house. It was cute. I could build a house. Sorry. I didn't mean to hijack it there. No, it's okay. You know, it's weird because sometimes there are these things that, and, and it has to do with how we think subjectively about different types of responsibilities and tasks. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some things we have really unrealistic ideas of, oh, that's, that's easy. I could handle that, you know? And, and so we become really dismissive and, you know, if we were to take that on as a responsibility, it wouldn't feel like a big deal. And then there are other things that really, you know, once we get started on them, once we start, once we experience them end up being fairly easy, but we have kind of this, you know, idea in our head that it's a really difficult thing and there's a huge learning curve or, you know, there's a gap between what we know how to do and, and don't know how to do. So, so I, I, I think it's good to recognize that also that our own subjective ideas about the new responsibilities that might come with being successful, mm-hmm. um, aren't reality. They're just our ideas. They're just stories that we're telling ourselves and we don't know the real story until we actually experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil in the chat said the fear of expectation from others that comes with success is a big part of it. And this is not a a note that I had in here, but, but I can definitely see how, you know, if I'm successful, part of it is the responsibilities thing, but part of it may also be now people are going to expect things of me that I may not be willing to do Mm -hmm. or that I'm, uh, that I may not be willing to give. 
And a truth that I would hold on to there is you can say no. Saying the the ability to say no to things is huge. Mm-hmm. There's several episodes on the if you if you go to seanwest.com, you go down into the search bar and you just type the word no. Lots of episodes just about saying no. Yeah. Saying no is is a tremendous skill. And honestly, the ability to say no is a huge factor when it comes to reaching your goals because in order to reach big goals, there are a lot of things that you're going to have to say no to. Mm-hmm. Um, I had in here that your your family and friends want success for you. There's this there's this contradiction that's going on. Your your family and your friends want success for you, but they also want you to stay the same. And so sometimes they are afraid that if you're successful, it's going to change your relationship with them somehow. And and so then it'll kind of, it'll come out in really strange ways out of, out of that fear. They may not even be able to identify that, but they'll think, Oh, you're, you know, you're changing, you're becoming this other person and they'll treat you differently. And, and so the, the truth that I hold on to there is that I cannot control the way that other people relate to me, but I can control the way that I relate to other people. I can control the way that I relate to my, my family and my friends, regardless of whether or not I experience success. You know, they, they can't define for you how you're going to relate to them. Hmm. They can, they can define that for themselves. You know, they, they might cut you off or, or block you or say, I I don't, I feel like you're this different person now but you you get to decide how you're going to relate to them. All right, so another fear. This is this is where I think your doubt uh comes in. You're not sure if you can deliver on the value. Part of a big goal may be that there's something that you need to do or some talent that you need to contribute to that in order to make it happen. And you're not sure whether or not you have what it takes. Now, this, this fear is really complicated. I think part of it is that we not only doubt whether or not we have what it takes, but we might also be afraid to find out because there may be some identity wrapped up in our skill. So, so there's the potential that, okay, if, if I actually submit something for critique, or I ask somebody to objectively, you know, look at my skill set and tell me where I'm lacking. What if, what if they discover some deficiency and what if that means that I'm not a good person or what if that influences my identity somehow? I think that's, I think that's the fear that messes with people a lot and it keeps them from actually growing because in order to grow, you have to be able to identify your weaknesses. You have to be able to identify your deficiencies. The people who, uh, who become great, who become masters in their skill are not the people who never had those moments where they were faced with their deficiencies. I, th- I think those people face their deficiencies as often as possible. They sought out, they, they, they kept pushing. They said, you know, a lot of people think I'm really great at this, but I need to find the person who's 
who's better or who is more insightful, who can tell me, you know, this is where you're falling short. I need to find that. There's a lot of power in that because once you've identified that, then you can say, okay, that's actually something I can work on. You're taking control. Doing, doing the work is the best way to improve. Allowing yourself to be exposed to that is the best way to, to continue to grow and move forward toward your goal. Uh, I might add to the doing the work thing is the best thing you can do. I would also add that doing the work correctly, and in that I mean, you know, doing the work you're practicing, but if you're practicing the wrong way, you're not necessarily going to get any better. And, and that, I think, is also a part of the same thing. There's, there's the fear that, it, I, I think that comes back to the identity, because I would rather, the, the person who's afraid that their deficiency speaks of their identity would rather continue practicing something the wrong way, mm-hmm. hoping, that, hoping that maybe they get better without actually having to deal with the fact that they have some you know, hole or, or flaw in their skill. Mm-hmm. The person whose identity is not attached to their skill is the person who seeks out what it is they need to deliberately practice on. And it's, it's difficult sometimes to be honest with yourself, but I think the more you seek out other voices of critique, the easier it is for you to be objective when it comes to looking at your own work. I think when you're, when you're not interested in seeking those out, when your identity is attached to your skill, it's really difficult for you to look at it objectively because it's kind of terrifying. And this is, uh, this last one is a really similar one. And then we'll get into some questions, but this last fear is you're not sure if you have the expertise, you're, you're not sure if you have the knowledge, you're not sure if you, so you've got this big goal and you know, steps one through five, but then steps six through 10 are like, I'm not, I'm not sure what to do there. I know there's something I don't know, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> and that scares me. So this is, this is really similar. Identifying the holes in your knowledge is progress. Mm-hmm. Unless you're faced with what you don't know, there's no opportunity for you to learn. So th- that's actually a good thing. And it doesn't matter how well you know something. If your goal is big enough, there's going to be something you don't know. And if you're actively seeking that out, um, you're, you're going to find things, you're going to find things that you don't know. You're going to find opportunities to learn. And the sooner you do that, the easier it's going to be for you to identify when is the appropriate time to spend time learning those skills. And when is the appropriate time to just focus on what I know how to do right now? I feel like if we're not constantly learning we're, we're kind of missing the point of, I, I mean, I don't know what you feel about that, but, um, I, I love to learn. Yeah. So I feel like if I'm not learning something about either my skills or, you know, things that I can improve in my life, then I'm kind of missing the point of life, you know? Well, and learning is good. Um, it shouldn't come at the expense of action. But, yeah, but, yeah. but there's, 
there's an appropriate time to to set action aside and focus on learning and that's and that's when taking further action without that learning would actually be potentially detrimental yeah yeah so so i think you know as you're taking action you, you will learn things by default but it's also it's also good to purposefully seek out knowledge along the way but if you if you know okay step 6 through 10 i don't know what to do there and these are the holes in my knowledge these are the things i'm going to need to learn it's going to be a lot easier for you while you're taking action on steps 1 through 5 to pace yourself in learning those things so that by the time you get to step 6 you filled those holes in your knowledge yeah and you can you can continue with the momentum that you have versus saying, okay, I, I'm just not going to think about six through 10. I don't even want to think about it. And then you get there and you, and you have to full stop because it's like, okay, if I don't learn something, I can't keep moving forward. But you also, you also don't want to say, okay, I guess I can't do steps one through, uh, one through five until I feel completely confident with steps six through 10. Yeah, I feel like in the same way that we should always be learning, we're probably never going to feel like we are completely qualified for everything yeah, that we yeah. do. <laughs> that's that's absolutely true. So so the the conclusion that I come up with is similar to the advice that's out there for anybody who's facing fear or who's experiencing fear. Fear is it's the idea. It's it's the thought of a potential danger, but it's not a re it's, it's not a reality. Mm -hmm. And until you actually face your fear, uh, it, it, until you, if you're scared of heights, for example, until you climb a ladder and go up a, a really tall building or, you know, go to the top floor or go onto a balcony or whatever it is that, that terrifies you, until you have that experience and then walk away from that experience, um, you don't have any experiential knowledge of what the reality is. So the, the fear of heights is a legitimate thing. Like I might, what if I fall? What if, what if something happens? You feel fear. You can, you can feel kind of the, the same feelings that you might experience if those dangers were realities. And that kind of, that sucks. But when you have that experience, what you're doing is you're, sh you're showing your brain, okay, this is, this is the reality. You're giving it something to, so all your brain has is these ideas of the danger. When, you're, when you give your brain an experience, now it's got the idea of the danger, but it also has a real experience that you've had. And the more real experiences you have, the quieter those voices of fear are going to be because the reality that you experience is going to speak much louder than the idea. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So when it comes to pursuing our goals, you've got to keep moving forward. You've got to do the work. Facing your fears is really the best way to overcome them. I just got done reading this book called uh, Organize Tomorrow Today, which I can't remember who the author is. I feel bad that I can't, but in it, they talked about the resistance that we face on a daily basis. It was two yeah. authors, which is why I say they, and 
one of the points that they were making, which is something that I've seen in my life, is that every time we face some place of resistance in our life, our brain believes then that it can continue to face that point of resistance. So for instance, if we've decided that we're going to cut sugar out of our diet and, you know, halfway or three days into it, our body is like, oh my gosh, I really need sugar. I really, really need sugar. But we say no and we make it one more day. It becomes easier and easier to make it, uh, you know, another day. Yeah, absolutely. And so I feel like that's kind of how it is with fear also, because if we, if we can, if we can overcome it once, then we have greater confidence that we can overcome it again. Yeah. And, and our brain is kind of tricky because it wants to use fear in a healthy way. And, and this is where the whole caution thing comes in. Mm-hmm. Another, another way to think about fear is, you know, this is, this is something that my body is doing that's actually good for me. It's helping me to have a little bit of a, a, of a taste of what the potential experience might be so that I can be more aware of the potential danger so that I, so that I know what to look for, mm-hmm. you know? So you, you walk out of that tent and your brain is, is going to more quickly recognize the shape of a bear because of the fear. And that's really important because if there actually is a bear, that's, you know, those, those split seconds between when you see the shape and you are able to recognize it as a bear are really important. Mm -hmm. That could be life or death. And that's what our brain is kind of geared toward. It's, it's geared toward helping us navigate life or death situations. Now, most of these situations that we're talking about are definitely not life and death, Mm -hmm. but we're still wired that way. But it's good to recognize fear as a useful tool but also uh, it, when it runs away from us and it becomes this negative and debilitating thing, something that we can overcome through practice. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean you should ignore, you, you, it definitely doesn't mean you should ignore the potential dangers. Be thankful that your brain has given you the ability to give, give a, a face or, or give the impression of, some kind of potential danger so that when you see it, you recognize it more quickly and it's easier for you to deal with it. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to get into some questions here. This one was from Brooks. He says, how can I make sure I'm not avoiding something because of fear? And I think the answer to that is, is really to ask yourself these questions, you know, to get really introspective, to say, why am I not doing this thing? You know, what is, what is the root? Mm-hmm. Why, why really, why am I not doing this thing? Because I say it's because of this, but is that really the reason? And I think the more we question ourselves and the, the more we try to get deep with ourselves, the easier it's going to be to find the root of some of those things. And we may have legitimate reasons for not doing it that, that may be accurate, but we may discover that you know, the reasons that we have are not legitimate and they're just based in fear. Aaron Dowd, I'm trying to find his, he had a really great, great question. He said, sometimes people say they're afraid of me. What am I doing wrong? Wait a second. What? 
I'm just kidding. We already answered. We already answered his really good question. Okay. All right. This one is from Neil. He said, would you ignore the fears and push on or address the fears and make plans to avoid them from coming true? And, and I, I, I feel like we covered this at the end of the episode. Fear is a useful tool. So it, it doesn't make sense to ignore the potential dangers. Um, to pretend that they don't exist can be equally detrimental to you reaching your goal. It's good to, it's good to acknowledge the potential for danger, but the only way that you know whether or not that potential danger actually exists is to move forward. So yes, you should move forward. No, you shouldn't ignore your fears. You should, you should recognize the potential dangers but you also shouldn't let those potential dangers keep you from moving at all. Eric asks, my fear is more about people around me as I pursue my goal. There will be instability and unknowns. Uh, there will be time that I'm really busy and can do fewer things around the house. My wife is more worrisome when it comes to bank balance. Uh, while she's very supportive, I know sometimes she can feel less secure because of what I'm doing and the, and the risks that I'm taking. So I think that's legitimate when it comes, when it comes to your spouse. And we've talked about this before. It's important for your spouse to be fully on board. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to experience their own doubts and concerns, but your job with your spouse is to, is to get them on board to, uh, to help them, be supportive. And sometimes that means saying no to pursuing your goal right now so that you can focus on that relationship. You, your spouse needs to be willing to take on the risks that you're willing to take on. Your spouse needs to be willing to take on the, the potential lack of security that you're willing to take on. Those things have to be true. So until they are, that's where your focus needs to be, not on pursuing your, your goal. Robert asks, what are some signs that you're feeling fear or anxiety over your big goals? What I mean is, how do you tell the difference between the oh man feeling you get when you know you're aiming higher than you've ever done before and the oh no feeling you get when that goal is scaring the pants off of you? <laughs> um, that's, that's really good. I, I, think, I think it's different for, for different people. I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with a good metaphor here, but I'm, I'm thinking about like riding a roller coaster and maybe, maybe for the first time, a really big roller coaster and, and the, Oh man feeling is, is probably more like, I believe this roller coaster is safe, but it's going to be a crazy ride. <laughs> I'm going to scream like a girl probably. And, mm -hmm. but it's, it, you know, it's going to be a crazy experience. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to react, but, but I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, a person riding a roller coaster that big for the first time suddenly has this flash of, of fear that maybe the roller coaster isn't safe and it's going to end in disaster and they're going to die. And, <laughs> and they start freaking out and screaming and, you know, like, those are, those are two very extreme examples, but, but I, I, I think if you, 
if you try to be more self-aware and you try to examine, you know, are, are you, do you feel like you're on a ride that's safe, even though you don't know what's going to happen? You believe in the end it's going to be okay and it's going to be exhilarating and scary and, you know, or do you have that sense of this is going to end in calamity? I feel like it also has to do with personality differences because I, I tend to, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because I had a pretty hard childhood, but I, I tend to go like worst case scenario. Like I was, I was that kid who would not get on a roller coaster the first time my dad told me I had to, because I just knew that it was safe for all the other people, but it wasn't safe for me. Yeah. That's really, that's really interesting. And so in that sense, I think depending on your personality, you may have more to overcome than yeah. another person does. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's also a good thing to know about yourself mm -hmm. because what that, what that causes you to face is, is the fact that the danger from, from one person to another, you know, like, like there are 10 people standing in line to ride this roller coaster. The roller coaster is as dangerous as it's going to be. Yep. For every single person, it's exactly the same. But every single person has a different, because, because of the, you know, we think differently. Every single person feels differently about the safety of the roller coaster. But, the, but, but knowing that puts the focus, puts the attention back on you and your own feelings about it, which I think helps us to take more control over that process and say, okay, this is the story that I'm telling myself because these are the kind of stories that I tend to tell myself. And I'm glad that I know that because otherwise I would think it's about the roller coaster, but really this is about me and my own personal feelings. And if it's about me and my own personal feelings, I can fix that. I can't fix, I can't do anything about how safe the roller coaster is, but I can work on how I feel about the roller coaster. It's hard sometimes to know that difference between, you know, is this just my, is this my gut feeling or is this like my, my fear and pessimism talking? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And this is, I, I feel like we're kind of diving into this metaphor, but maybe there is something that you can do to make the roller coaster safer, you know? And, and so I think it's good to recognize the difference between when you do have control over the safety or the, you know, I, like, Oh, I'm actually a roller coaster engineer. I can come up and I can check the roller coaster and I can ensure that it's sound. You know, like I, I actually have the expertise to do that. So does that does that still work with this metaphor? Yeah. Like you you might you might have the ability to make the situation less risky. You might have the ability and, and the expertise to um anticipate some of the potential dangers and mitigate those risks or you may not, but either way, you know, whether you're able to work on those things and fix them or you have no control over it at some point, it reaches a, a place where you still have to decide whether or not you're willing to take on the risk, how, however great or small it might be. And I feel like, I don't know if we're, uh, closing up here, but I feel like I need to say this too, that a big goal is different to two different people. Like when you're a parent, sometimes your big goal is just to make it through the day without yelling at your kids. Yeah. 
And that may seem like a small goal to other people who don't have three-year-olds or four-year-olds or five-year-olds, you know, but our goals are big in proportion to who we are. So it's, it's not, we can't look at somebody else's big goal and say, wow, that's so much bigger than mine. Maybe I should make mine bigger. We really have to do this on our own. Yeah. And the comparison can, you know, the comparison is never good. So. Yeah, it's, it's not, and and don't, don't feel like because your goal feels big to you, but it's not really big to other people, maybe that, that you're your feelings of fear, anxiety are silly. You know, they're not They're Yeah. What you're experiencing is real for you. And, and there's, nobody can say anything about that. Yeah. Those are feelings that you still need to work for, uh, work through. The rest of the questions have to do with the spouse thing. And so I want to just park on that again, real quick. We already talked about a little bit, you know, the idea of the focus being on getting your spouse on board. Um, but I think, you know, like one of, one of the things that you can do that you should do as a part of that process of your spouse being on board. Now, again, your spouse being on board doesn't mean that they don't still have their own uh, fears or concerns. But I, I think what it does mean is they've identified those things and they've made a decision to move forward in spite of those fears or concerns with you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really important if they, because if they don't deal with their fears, um, they're not really able to commit to moving forward with you. They're not, they're not really able to commit to being on board with you. And so I, I think that's a, a huge part of the process is, is, saying, okay, I'm, you, you may be the person in the relationship who is willing to take on risks. So you're not very risk averse, you know? And, and so it's good to recognize that huge, huge points, uh, awarded to the people who know, okay, I'm willing to take on risks, but this is really difficult for my spouse. Mm-hmm. Cause some people just, you know, they, they mow forward without even giving a second thought to that. So so that's great. Now, now you get to go to your spouse and say, okay, I know that this scares you. We need to talk about that. Um, not, not so that I can talk you out of being afraid or make you, I, like, it's not your job to make your spouse feel better, but you can help them identify what they are afraid of and, and you can help them make the decision in spite of those things or, or to overcome those things, you know, like they, they may need to just do the work of overcoming those things before they feel comfortable moving forward. And so then you get to say, okay, before we move forward, if you need to work through this, then my job is not to focus on my goals, not to focus on my dream. My job is to help you in whatever way I can to work through your fears and overcome them because I don't want to pursue this thing until you're fully on board with me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And that's really, that's, that's a difficult thing to do. And it can feel like you're having to put your goal or your dream off. 
you know, but, but really if there's, if there's anybody you want to have on board with you, um, it's your spouse because the success of uh, your, your success in pursuing and reaching your goal likely very well depends on, uh, whether or not your spouse is on board at whatever level. And so it's really important to work through all of those things in the beginning before you set out. All right. Man, that was... Uh, a lot of stuff. That was a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So like I said, these are, these are things that I'm still working through. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to keep you posted. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this and... Um, you have a big goal that scares you or you're trying to pursue a big goal, but you're not sure whether or not your spouse is on board. Maybe you have questions that weren't answered in this episode or you have a story to tell uh, of how you overcame, uh, overcame your fears. I would love to hear from you. So if you, if you go to intheboatwithben.com, you can actually click on a link there to contact us directly. That goes straight to my inbox. If you get our newsletter, which you can also sign up for at intheboatwithben.com, uh, you can reply to one of the newsletters that goes directly to my inbox. And I would love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you and hear about more of the stuff that you're struggling with. Or you can go to seanwest.com slash community and you can join the Sean West community. And you can chat with me in the chat room. We can have conversations right away. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and wait a second. You go do that. And I'll be, I'll be waiting for you right there in the chat. Now, I, I may not be. I'm not in there 24-7. But I'm in there quite a bit. And so are some other amazing, awesome people. All of the great questions that we were able to talk about today from the episode came from people who are a part of this amazing community. So you owe it to yourself to check it out. If you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. Are you on Snapchat yet? No. No? <laughs> nope. Is that a thing you're going to do? No, it is not. Okay. Well, we'll see. If you want to follow me on Snapchat, I'm at Ben Tolson. Uh, on, on my Snapchat, I do more uh, kind of behind-the-scenes, day-to-day life stuff. So uh, on, my, on my Twitter, which is also at Ben Tolson, I post a little bit more just, you know, kind of short things about parenting or family life or pursuing your goals, more inspirational stuff. But this the Snapchat thing has been a lot of fun for me because it gives me a chance to give people a window into my daily experience. And that's a lot of fun. I mean, my life isn't super interesting in my own personal opinion, but it is kind of unusual. We, you know, we've got six kids and things are a little bit crazy from time to time. And <laughs> I made breakfast this morning and cooked a dozen and a half eggs. <laughs> and they were all gone. And they were all gone. <laughs> So anyways, you can, you can follow me there on Snapchat if you want to check out some of that stuff at Ben Tolson. And I think that's everything. Did we cover everything? Uh, you wanted me to read a review. Do Did you, you want me to do that? 
Do you have it? I do. This was a really good review. So it, another way you can help out the show is going to intheboatwithben.com slash iTunes and leaving us a review. This is, uh, this is one we got just recently. We hadn't gotten one in a while. But if you're enjoying the show and you haven't left a review yet, go do that. Because for people who are curious about you know, whether or not they want to give this show a shot, um, sometimes they go to the reviews and depending on what somebody says in the reviews, they'll make a decision as to whether or not they want to listen to the show. Mm-hmm. Your review could be the thing that pushes them over the edge. So if you like, if you like the show, if you like the content, if you feel like it's making your life better and you want that for other people, go leave a review. Okay, Rachel, why don't you go ahead and read this one? Okay, this one's from Miss Lilil, I think is how you say it. Her title is No Kids, No Problem, You Will Still Enjoy. She says, I just recently started cherry picking some In the Boat episodes after listening to Sean West for years. I love that Ben and Rachel are inclusive of people without children in their discussions. It means a lot to me because so often people with families and society in general can be quite dismissive of not only being child free, but that the idea that struggle is relative. I think that should be, but the idea, yeah, yeah, sorry. The stories of their adventures with balancing family and passion are both heartwarming and inspiring. I'm so used to listening to people complain about how much their children take away from their passion. It's refreshing to hear Ben and Rachel's take and one where both mom and dad take equal weight in supporting the household and each other's dreams. Come for the stories, stay for the lessons you can take away and apply to your own household, even if that household is a spouse and two rambunctious cats nice great all right well thank you guys so much for listening to us today again next week is a sabbatical we'll be back with more great content like this after that thanks guys So I've, I'm, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but I've talked about the community and I love the community and I, I think everybody should join. I want everybody to be here because I want to talk to all the people and see them. But one of the ways now that you can join the community is you can actually sign up. Uh, you, you can purchase a ticket to Sean West Conference, which is a conference that the Sean West Network is putting on in October of 2016. And, and it's going to uh, have speakers that cover a lot of different topics um, about business and creativity. And I'm actually, I'm actually going to be one of the speakers there. I'm, an, I'm going to be giving a talk having to do with work-life balance. And, um, and I'm, I'm excited about what I'm going to be able to share there. But we already have quite a few people who are going to be attending. And when you purchase a conference ticket, you also get a community membership. 
And so I was really excited that it was structured that way because that just means that people who are not part of the Sean West community yet, but want to go to the conference, get to experience what it's like to be a part of the community before they have this in-person experience, which is just really cool. And, and so what I, what I did to kind of sweeten the deal, and it's, you know, arguably sweeten the deal, is I said, if you want to, or if, if you join the community by purchasing a conference ticket, I will do a dance for you and I'll record myself dancing. And I, and I give the option for me to choose a song, for the person who joined to choose the song that I danced to, or to say thanks but no thanks. So far, two people have joined the community this way, and they've both taken me up on the offer, and they've both chosen the songs for me. And so the first song that I danced to was the Beer Barrel Polka. Polka? Polka? <laughs> how, do, how do I say that? Polka? Yeah, the Beer Barrel Polka. That was the first one. And the second one is Just Dance by David Bowie. Fantastic choices. Anyways, I just recorded the video today, and I'm going to share it in the chat. And I might, we'll see, I might tease it out. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're not part of the community, but you follow me on Twitter or Snapchat, I might tease it out. We'll see. But one way to be sure that you see that content, <laughs> I mean, peop, Rachel, right now, as I'm saying this, people are rushing to their computers so that they can sign up for the community. Yeah, sure they. And, and buy a com uh, you have you have no idea. Mm, People I don't. are they're rushing. Anyways, I just I wanted to make that announcement. Okay. And with that, we will close the after show and go into the after after show. You ready? Yep.